Morning. Morning, church. How we doing? Doing all right? <laughs> how, many, how many brought a boat today? Um, man, it's wet. Lake's filling up. It's good. It's good to be with you, church. Yeah, I hope I hope uh, worship services are um, good for your soul. Um, I love church. <laughs> God made me that way. I don't know why. Like seriously, since I was like, just a little kid, I I just love being at church. Um, I love the whole experience, the the worship service, and all that goes with that. But also just the conversation, and it's just. I know not not everyone is maybe that way, but. Um, I hope that, that the Lord meets you here and you sense that and, and experience him and are encouraged by him. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the message. <laughs> Maybe he can speak through the message as well, but you know, there's so many other aspects. I just, I just hope that there's something each Sunday that, uh, where he encounters you, right? And, 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 and just expresses his love for you in some way. Um, <laughs> love you too we uh, are in the middle of a series uh, called spiritual senses and uh, it's about this idea that uh, I've had that that we um, just like we're born physically with physical senses to be able to understand uh, interpret the world around us physically that when we uh, are born again, as John 3 talks about, that we are born into the Spirit, and as a result, we receive spiritual senses that mirror our physical ones that allow us and help us to interpret and understand what's going on in the spiritual realities and realm around us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at uh, the first uh, sense that we were, on, uh, we were into, and that was the sense of hearing, being able to hear God's voice. Uh, if you weren't able to uh, see that or hear that message, it is on our YouTube channel or on our website. You can go there as well, tacreading.info, uh, and uh, you can, we can watch that if you'd like to know more about that. This, this morning, uh, I'm going to start dealing with the, the, the sense of touch. And it is uh, my opinion that the, the sense of touch is about uh, the ability to sense or feel God's presence. Uh, I think this is, you know, an, a, a, all of these senses are essential, but there's something very uh, personal and intimate about the sense of touch, about sensing and feeling the closeness of God. This is a, a, a truth in Scripture that we see, and this, this idea that God is with us. Now, for many of us who uh, have been in uh, you know, churches and in the faith for a long time, uh, you know, we understand this truth, that God is with us. It's, it's not something that's new, but I hope this morning as we walk through this, because I think we have to look at this truth before we kind of get into the sensing of this truth, right? And, and so I want to, I hope that it's an encouragement to you as we are reminded of what scripture teaches about this, this God being with us. 
I also hope that even though maybe most of it will be new to you, that you will be encouraged maybe by a piece or two that maybe you kind of like kind of forgot about or, or, or maybe you just haven't been fully living into, or maybe you're in a situation right now where you just really need to understand it again. It just really speaks to your heart. I also want to encourage any who are maybe in the room who uh, do not have God with you. Because you've not given your life to Christ yet. And if that's you, I, I want to encourage you to listen as well, to understand maybe some of what you're missing out on. Because the truth is to, to know and to feel and to, and to encounter the presence of God with us changes everything. To start with the, the theological background, if you will, of this concept of God being with us, uh, it starts really from the beginning. In the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve were created, and where is God? God is with them in the Garden. But it continues from there, even after the fall and all of that. You see, especially in the people of God, the Israelites, first it's Abraham. God shows up and is with him, but then, then we move on from there to the, the other patriarchs, but also to Moses, this, this idea that is communicated even to Moses and other key leaders that God is with them. And then you run into the, the New Testament a couple thousand years ago when Jesus shows up as a baby and he is to be known as Emmanuel, God with us. And then, of course, if you fast forward to the end of time, the eternal kingdom in, Revelations, we see, in the book of Revelation, we see that God comes to earth and his, his presence is going to dwell with us. The reality is, is that when God created us, he created us with the desire to be with us. And we, above all things in this world, the thing that we need most is to know that he is with us. I've got several passages here that I want to run through. I'm going to try to kind of inundate you with a, a bunch of verses about, uh, about God being with us, just so you have this list. And many of the verses are going to be familiar to you, but uh, we're just going to run through it and just to kind of drive home this reality that throughout Scripture, God tells us that he is desiring to be with us and that we need him to be with us and that there's some benefits to that as well. First of all, Isaiah 41.10, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What a great encouragement. All of the stuff that comes after the fear not is, is because that he is with us. Matthew 28, 20. Of course, we know the great commission. And he says, you're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. John 14, 16 and 17, Jesus uh, is about to go to the cross and he's telling his disciples and encouraging them, hey, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you alone. And he says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. 
for he dwells with you and will be in you. Galatians 2.20, I love this perspective as well. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This reality that, we, that we, he is so near us that we are no longer even living our lives on our own. It is him who is living through us. Another amazing passage is Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? And where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, here, there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Amen. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Revelations 21.3, the eternal kingdom coming down onto the earth, and this is, these words are heard, a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This is a powerful truth. God being with us. And understanding, not just mentally in our heads and intellectually with our minds, but internally and emotionally with our bodies, to know this changes everything. The power of God's presence changes how we react in the world, changes how we see the world, changes what we think and what we do. And the reason for that is that his presence signifies his acceptance of us into his family. Right? I mean, if he is with us, that means we're accepted. That means we're in. That means we're okay. And to, to understand, and I mean, to have this understanding, not just again mentally, but to feel his presence helps us to know that we're okay. No matter what's going on around us, no matter what we've done, no matter what mistakes we've made, what failure we've fallen into, right? He, to know he's with us means that we're okay. His presence also signifies his ownership of us. In essence, it's his stamp of approval on our life. It's his name that is written across our chest. That we are his. And it's this sensing of the presence of God and knowing that he's with us where we find true security. Or it doesn't matter what comes our way as long as he is with us. Again, a bunch of passages that kind of highlight these truths. Psalm 16, 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. In the midst 
of chaos, in the midst of the disruption, in the midst of the tension, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the wars that rage around us, we know that he is with us. We are not shaken. We know that he's with us. Our flesh dwells secure. I love this passage in Exodus chapter 33. It's Moses and having this conversation with God. Now, therefore, Moses says, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too, this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses replied, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and, and your people to be known? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, and every other people on the face of the earth? It's with his presence that we know that we found favor with him. It's in sensing and feeling his presence that we know that we are his. And we can be encouraged by Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's too many of us as Christians who, who think that God has left us because of our sin, who is far from us because of our mistakes. But it is not true. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And we must cling to this truth. And may, we allow, may the Lord allow us to experience this truth in recognizing and sensing his presence with us. Of course, the famous Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's amazing that in the midst of danger, in the midst of our lives being on the line, God is with us, and if we know he's with us, we fear no evil. This is how the martyrs did it. This is how they were able to go to their martyrdom without fear, without, you know, shaking or, or, or their, their testimony, but continuing to sing praises to God in the midst of the flame. It's because they knew, not just in their heads, but with their whole bodies, that God was with them. Although the nuance of this truth is revealed in Daniel chapter 3, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You know, Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue and tells everybody they got to worship it. And, and these guys say, no way, we're not doing it. And so they have this interaction with Nebuchadnezzar where he says, okay, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace and listen to what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Now we know the rest of the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into the furnace. And then what happens? They got a fourth figure in there. What's going on? God was with them and he saved them. But here's, I love the courage of these three guys. Because even if they'd been burned up in that furnace, they were not choosing to step away from God. Why? Because they knew he was with them. He had the power to save them if he wanted to, but he didn't have to save them in that moment because they knew that their life was secure for all eternity because God was with them. Philippians 3, 8 and 9, we move to Paul, the great apostle Paul, and some great passage here. Indeed, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I love Paul here in his heart, and he's just kind of like saying, look, you know, I've I've had a bunch of stuff. I did a bunch of great things, but all of it is kind of just rubbish. And matter of fact, I've lost a lot of things, but it doesn't matter as long as I've got Christ. And again, this is for us as well. When we understand and know that he is with us, we can endure the loss of all things and still give glory to him. Continue to walk in in, in faith and continue to walk in security, knowing that he is caring for us, that he is with us, that he's going to take care of us. Have to understand, I think, you know, This is an understanding, let's put it this way, this is an understanding I have come to, that the the, the most important thing in my day is to know that God is with me. It changes everything. It has changed me completely. The, 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 The path of freedom is through knowing the presence of God is with you. I'm amazed at the freedom that I have received, uh, you know, leading a church, right? And uh, through all of the chaos of the last few years, like, how do I do that? It's impossible to do this, but God is with me. And so I'm able to do it through his power, but also without worrying about making a mistake. It's not like I don't want to make, you know, I want to make a mistake, but, but even if I make a mistake, this comes to mind over and over again. Even if I make, if I botch this decision, even if I do some horrible thing that really hurts people, like he is still with me. Even if I lose my job, even if I get kicked out of this church, even if I lose my family, whatever, it doesn't matter if he's still with me. And that gives me such freedom to not have to worry about failure. I want to do right, but I understand that I'm not always going to do right. But even when I do wrong, God is with me. Even if I lose my life, God is with me. Do you understand? Like this is, I think, such an essential reality that we have to come to and understand. And again, mental ascent, that's not enough. Sometimes that's all we have. And it's true, whether we feel it or not. But we have a God who loves us. And love is a very personal and intimate emotion. And he wants us to know That he is with us, not just in our heads, but with our whole being.
This leads to the next point here of the challenges of feeling his presence. This particular sense of touch by nature is emotional. Now, it's not emotional in the sense of boo-hoo, cry-cry, I'm emotional. But it's emotional in the sense that we sense his presence through the emotions that he elicits in us. Of all of the senses that we're going to talk about, the five spiritual senses, this one seems to be the most connected to our emotions. We feel the presence of God through his love. Feel loved by him. We feel the presence of God through joy. We feel the presence of God through peace. Remember, there's been times in my life where I should be super anxious and freaking out, but yet God's presence is there, and he is allowing me to experience his presence through his amazing peace. These are emotions. Emotions that reveal to us that he's near, that he's with us. And and as I reflected on this, I had this thought that, and maybe this is, this statement's a little bit too extreme, but emotions, it seems to me, are the most spiritual component of our being. And let me explain what I mean by that. Emotions, we, we just don't understand emotions. They're a mystery, right? We don't understand sometimes. I mean, we understand like, okay, somebody does something, we get angry at them. But we don't understand why the, how that anger just continues to linger. Or sometimes how anger just comes out of nowhere. Like, why am I all of a sudden feeling angry? Love, we don't understand love. Like we understand being loved or loving someone and the actions that go with that. But the actual emotion of love and why do I feel that? Like when they walk in the room and say, like, oh, I love my wife. She's amazing, right? I love her. It's just awesome. Like, why do I feel that? We don't understand it. Right? We, uh, you know, the scientists, you know, and the doctors, they've, they've ripped open our brains and they've, you know, tried to figure out what's going on there. They don't understand where emotions come from because there's no, like, no, no matter that, you know, has emotions in it, right? There's no, like, uh, emotion bone. You got a funny bone, but you don't have an emotion bone, right? Like, they can say, oh, this is why we have emotions, right? So there, it's a mystery why we feel the things we feel. And it's a mystery because it's spiritual. It doesn't apply to, it doesn't line up with the physical, tangible rules of our world. They, we, our emotions get conjured in weird ways and ways we don't always understand. And so I, I just, I feel like, like emotions seem to be the most spiritual component because spiritual things we don't understand. Spiritual realities around us, we, we can't see them, right? We, sometimes we have recognition of something going on spiritually, but, but it's hard for us to, to see what's going on spiritually. We see in the tangible, 
We're going to talk about spiritual eyes to see, but we're not there yet. But you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's spiritual things. It's hard for us to understand. So I think emotions are actually uh, the most spiritual component of our being. And it's through these emotions that we actually are able to sense the presence of God. Now, some of the challenges to feeling, that's the nature of, I think, our sense of feeling. But there's challenges to that. Some is the fact that many of us distrust emotions. So if emotions are the primary way that we sense the presence of God, and you are a person that distrusts emotions and thinks that, you know, oh, you can't trust those. And so just, yeah, well, then you're going to maybe struggle to sense the presence of God. In some sense, people that distrust emotions, they just don't expect to have that encounter. They don't expect to feel his presence. It's enough for them that it's a fact, not a feeling. Now, it is a fact. And there are times when we won't sense his presence. And that does not mean that he's not with us. Sometimes that's all you have to cling to is that intellectual truth of, his, uh, of him being with us. Sometimes we get tested with that and we got to hang on to it. But that isn't the way that we should always operate. The fact is, again, he's a loving father who is intimately involved in our life. As a result, there's emotions that go with that. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life. That they know God, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. No. This is not about facts and figures. To know God means that we are in relationship with him. We know him experientially, emotionally, relationally. And we know him intellectually as well. I think another challenge to feeling the presence of God is that some of us are just seeking emotions and not the one who gives those emotions. Basically, what happens is we get confused because we begin to attach God to every emotion. And when God is a part of every emotion, then we actually, it doesn't help us to sense his presence. It actually makes us begin to question it. And so we, we have to be careful that when we're coming to him and we're asking him to give us an experience or give us a, a feeling of his presence, that we're, we're not just seeking the feeling. That we're not just seeking the emotional experience, but that we're actually seeking him. We must seek his face and his face alone. And it's as we seek his face and his face alone that we then, he allows us to experience that presence in emotions. Psalm 27, verse 8. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. Your face alone. Another challenge to feeling his presence is that, kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but we, we, we allow sin to isolate us. We think that we're not worthy of his presence. 
So in essence, we begin to doubt that God is with us. We, we doubt it because, well, he can't be with me because look at me. I'm just such a mess. Like I, I'm, I, just, I just mess up everything I do. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I don't listen to him. I don't obey him. I, I mean to people. I have all of these things that I do that it's, and there's no way he could be near me because I am just too much of a sinner. Understand that that attitude is idolatry. Like we are worshiping ourselves. We are saying that my sin is bigger than Jesus' death on the cross for that sin. We have to embrace the truth that God is with us. And when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are promised that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and makes us a whole new creation. And that every step we take from that day on, he is always with us. He is not at the top of some mountain that we have to try to climb in order to get close to Jesus. He is not some distant city away where we've got to go on some sojourn in order to find his presence to get near him. Once we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are personally, intimately with him in that moment and cannot get any closer the rest of our life. Even in the midst of our sin. It's a shocking truth, but it is true. I think uh, some of us struggle to feel his presence because we're looking in the wrong places. Some of us, I think, just use our physical senses only to try to sense his presence. And what I mean by that is we are looking to the physical and the tangible blessings of God in order to know he's near us. And so if I get the job, right, the, the promotion, if I get the, the new house I'm looking for, or my, I sell my house for that great, you know, cost that I, you know, that price I wanted, if I, you know, if I get, if the reconciliation happens, then God's near me. I'm seeing the physical manifestations, the blessings that are coming around in the physical realm, and so we feel like he's with us. And so I think sometimes we miss his presence because, you know what, he's still there even when we're not seeing the spiritual or the physical uh, blessings, so we, we miss it, right? Because we think, God, where are you? Why aren't you, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you allowing me to get all this? Yeah, I want to do these things, but you're not. Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. He is with you. But you're only going to sense that in the spiritual realm. Certainly can sense it sometime with our physical senses too, but generally it comes down to our spiritual senses. We can also struggle to feel his presence when we're relying on the other spiritual senses. So like a lot of times we just equate his presence with his voice or his work. So as long as he's speaking, okay, he's, he's with me. As long as I see him working, okay, he's with me. But if his voice goes silent or we don't see him working at, you know, around us, then we're like, oh, he's gone. He took off. Why'd you leave me? God, I'm right here. But again, he's always with us. And we can feel his presence without him saying a word. We can feel his presence even when it looks like everything around us is falling apart. One last thought on this is um, just wanted to mention something that, that some of you have heard of before, but the, uh, the, the dark night of the soul 
just as by way of definition, the dark night of the soul is simply a season when we can't feel his presence. Talked about this earlier, right? There's times when, when sometimes we just don't feel him. Our sense, you know, sense of touch isn't working for whatever reason. And so we have to rely on the truth, the intellectual truth, the fact that he is with us, even though I don't feel it right now. Well, these seasons can happen in our life. We can go through sometime. My, I, I went through one when my younger years of probably two or three years long, which is a, an especially long one. They usually don't last that long. I don't know why I got so lucky. <laughs> but we have to understand that it's not, if we're experiencing a dark night of the soul, if we're experiencing a, a season where we can't feel his presence and we normally have, then we need to not assume that that means that God's left us, right? He, he's still with us. He's still there. Cling to that intellectual truth. But also, I, I think it's a time for us that he, he's drawing us to see uh, to, to, to experience his presence in maybe new ways. For instance, if you're used to experiencing his presence through just a feeling of love, and then you go through a season where you're not feeling that love anymore, maybe he's like, hey, I, I, want, to, I want you to experience my presence with a different emotion. I want you to experience it in joy. So the spiritual sense of feeling God's presence is an essential element of our walk with Jesus. It changes everything. When we understand and know, not just intellectually again, but with our whole bodies that he is with us, it changes everything. Everything we do, everything we say, every perspective we have, every thought we have, it's amazing. And so how do we develop this sense if you're struggling, if you're just relying on intellectual truth of God, that God is with you, I, I, I want to encourage you because we can develop this spiritual sense of feeling his presence. And I think there's just two simple things that I've got laid down. There's other things we could do, I'm sure, but these are just a couple of the ideas, like spiritual practices that you could do that will help you to begin and you know, kind of develop that spiritual sense of touch so that you can feel the presence of God. First, I think reflecting and memorizing scripture that talk about God is with us. So a bunch of the scripture I gave, I just gave, you know, a small portion of the verses that talk about God being with us. But those verses, you know, just go back and read them again. If you're struggling, sensing the presence of God, then I want you, you should go and reflect on those verses, even memorize those verses. And so when the doubt comes and when the struggles come, that you'd be able to intellectually at least be able to say, no, this is the truth. But again, it's not just head knowledge. It's also an experience of the body and of emotions. And the second spiritual discipline, I think, that, would, that helps with that is what is called the daily pause. Psalm 46, we read it a couple of times, at least a portion of it uh, earlier in the worship service, but let's read it again. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
Be still and know that I am God. For us to, I think, develop that sense of touch, the feeling of God's presence, we need to be still. And I think this is such a hard thing for us Americans especially because our lives are so busy. And I'll say this too, you know what? There was a, there was a time in the past in American history that I remember that, you know, that re, re, people who retired from their jobs, you know, they got to that older ages, you know, and they said, oh, I'm going to hang it up and stop working. Like there was a time when those people could be like bored. It's it just not anymore. Like that doesn't happen. Uh, the retired people that I know, it's like they are just as busy or more busy than they were when they were working. And so understand, this is our culture. Our culture is telling us that we've got to produce. We've got to go, 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 go. We've got to be busy. Can't just be sitting around doing nothing. You've got to always go. You've got to be productive. You've got to make something happen. And so this, you know, I think for some of us, this is a huge deal. The reason that we're not feeling the presence of God is because we're too busy to feel it. We're too distracted. We're, we're just constantly going. We never have a moment to stop and just be with him. Another piece of this, I think, is that we need to step into silence. Now, some of us may be able to get that practice where we stop and we're not so busy and we have that time in our day where we can stop, you know, and, and stop, you know, you know, just being busy, right? And, and just rest. But... There's many who do that that don't practice this next step, which I think is just as essential, and that's silence. Again, our world is so noisy. Everywhere you go, it, it, literally everywhere you go, there's noise. You get up in the morning, what wakes you up in the morning, right? It's the alarm, right? I mean, noise immediately, right? And then how, how many of us, you know, we're getting ready for the day and we flick on some music, right? And I got to tell you this right now, like music is a beautiful and wonderful thing and I like music. But I got to tell you, we've got to stop listening to so much music and especially, it's not just our teenagers, it's all of us. Because we always have, we're driving down the road, we've got music on, right? We've got, or we've got talk radio on or whatever, right? I mean, but we always have something going into our ears. My dad was, loves the outdoors, and so he raised me to love the outdoors. And so I spent many, 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 many nights, weeks, months outdoors, away from everything. Not like outdoors in my backyard, but outdoors, outdoors, like 70, 80, 90, 100 miles away from anything that would be considered modern, right? And, and I I, I was amazed at how quiet it was. But I learned to appreciate the quiet. And this is a reality. I think many of us struggle with quiet. And, and part, of the, part of it is this, right? When it's quiet, what are you left with? Right? Your own thoughts your own mind, and some of us can't handle that. And so I think one of the key spiritual practices, if we're going to be able to develop the sense of touch, able to feel the presence of God, is for us to practice the daily pause where we are not doing anything and we are silent. 
I had a guy challenge me about eight or nine years ago to basically do this. He said, do it 15 to 20 minutes a day and it'll change your life. And he told me, he went on to tell me, he said, I, he says, 80% of the people that I've told to do this, don't do it. And he kind of told me as a little bit of a challenge. I, I think he knew my personality because I was like, oh, well, I'm not that 80%. <sighs> but I have to tell you, eight or nine years later now, he was right. <clears throat> I'm amazed at what God has done with that 15 to 20 minutes where I just sit and do there's no agenda. It's not doing a devotional. It's not praying. It's not worshiping. It's just sitting with him. And the, what's happened is I do feel like I can feel his presence. In that moment, but not just in that moment. What happens is that throughout the day, all of a sudden, I'm feeling his presence all day long. I see the nodding heads because I know that some of you have experienced the same thing. If you are not feeling the presence of God and you want to, then 15 to 20 minutes a day, every day. Don't skip a day. Now, that's not legalistic in the sense of, oh, well, if you skip a day, God's getting... No, 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 that's not the point. But my point is, like, set it aside. It's not just the couple of months of doing it. It's the every day. It's the continual practice over and over again. Say, God, I have time for you. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to be productive. I don't, you don't have to do anything. If you want to say something, you can. But if you're just silent, that's okay. I am just going to sit with you. So we're going to practice that this morning. <clears throat> Take a little uh, chance. Because some of us, it's gonna, we're going to struggle. We're going to take three or four minutes this morning and be silent together. Um, so worship team, you can come on up. They're not going to play. <laughs> They're just going to be up here ready because they will transition us. Thank you, Becky, for noticing. So we're going we're gonna to practice it together. Now, some of you, this is going to be a real challenge. You're going to think it's been three minutes. You're going to look down, it's like 30 seconds, right? Uh, others of you that maybe have done some of this, it won't be that as hard. Uh, but let me give you a, just a few tips, too, on this, because it is hard to settle our minds, to quiet ourselves. And, and I think there's three things that I think have helped me, and, and I hope they can help you. First of all, when you go to silence, have a paper and pen nearby. Because every time a thought comes, like, oh, I've got to do this later, you just write it down. Get it out of your mind by writing it down. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. Okay, yeah, I remember that I have to do that. Because that's what will happen. You start quieting your mind all of a sudden, all the things that you, oh, I forgot I'm supposed to do that. Okay, write it down. So have a paper and pen or a phone or something you can, well, maybe phone's not best because it might distract you as well. But anyway, just like write that stuff down. Second thing is you have to take every thought captive. And so as your mind does begin to wander these spots, just grab it and say, no, I'm not going to think about that right now. Lord, I'm just, I just want to be with you. And then finally, and probably this is the biggest thing, is we just need to ask God to help us. As we step into this, just say, Lord, would you help me to quiet my mind so that I can just rest in your presence? The Holy Spirit is amazing in his ability to, to help us to do these things. All right, so we're going to take some time.
And, and uh, uh, as we do this, I just want to encourage you to, to be quiet. Allow that to happen. Try not to, you know, make all those noises. And, and, and embrace the tension of the quiet as well. If this is a struggle for you, don't, don't run away. It's okay. Hang in there. You'll make it through. Um, and then I, I, I want to encourage you to pay attention to your emotions. My prayer is that this time would be a time when we would all feel his presence with us in whatever form that looks like, whatever that is going to, you know, whatever, however he wants to do that. And so pay attention to what's going on internally as you are sitting in his presence and pay attention to those emotions and the things that you feel as you walk through that. All right? Lord, we thank you for being here and being with us. As we take this few minutes to be quiet in your presence, may you allow us to sense and feel your presence. Lord, that we would be able to go from just an intellectual truth that you are with us and that we would be able to encounter it personally, intimately, emotionally this morning. So Lord, we give this time to you. Come and have your way. Encourage us today with your presence. Written throughout your scripture over and over again about this reality that you've created so that you can be with us. You're not isolated. You're not away from us. You want to be in our life and surround us and you are for those of us who know you thank you for being with us and Lord thank you that it's something that we can experience we can encounter your presence that we can feel you near us and we thank you even just for this time that we had to just sit with you and Lord I trust that you did indeed allow many in this room to sense and to feel your presence. Maybe some for the first time, or maybe some for the first time in a long time. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, you realize, this is why your word says, you realize the importance of it. That when we understand that you're with us, how it changes everything. So Lord, give it, thank you for giving us spiritual senses, the spiritual sense of touch be able to know in our minds and our bodies and our emotions that you are with us. Romans 8, <laughs> fitting to close, verse 31 and following. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall just tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all of these things, 
we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for being here with us this morning, and uh, thank you for walking in this uh, time of uh, silence before him. Uh, we want to continue to leave this room in a, as a place for uh, kind of worship and song and for prayer and for being able to connect with people that way. And, and so if you'd like to continue to worship, please, we encourage you to stay. And if you need prayer for maybe something in the message or something God's doing in your life today or maybe something that's going on in your life outside of church and you brought it in with you and you'd love to have prayer, then please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. And if you're ready to just fellowship and encourage others, and, and then we encourage you to head out into the uh, fellowship hall and let the doors close behind you and, and enjoy that time of fellowship as well. Thank you, church. Have a great day.